0: Welcome, everyone, to the Pro Football Doc Week 11 Podcast. I'm Thomas Casale with Pro Football Doc, Dr. David Chow. Well, Doc, last week, uh, not too many big injuries. This week, uh, uh, we we got some big names who are hurting, some uh, some out for the year, some we're going to ask your opinion on how long they're out. Let's get right to it with a guy I know fantasy owners want to hear your opinion on, Pa- uh Packers running back, Aaron Jones, suffered a knee injury late in the game against Seattle. What do you see in there, and do fantasy owners need to make uh, plans for not having Jones in their fantasy lineup the next couple weeks? Well, here's the
1: thing. I'll, of course, I love, I don't know, I guess I don't love injuries, but in the past couple weeks when it was slower, we tended to have really big Mondays. And this week was busier on Sunday, and we're slower on Monday because the information's already out there. I mean, uh, the stats always even themselves out. The coin flips, the more times you flip them, the more it's 50-50 heads and tails, right? I mean, it all evens out, but there are streaks. So Aaron Rodgers, as much as we rely on video and what we call our insider knowledge uh, of football for being in the NFL, I think it's sometimes helpful what you don't see, right? And here's another example of judge the injury, not the reaction. Mm-hmm. The, the Sunday Night Football report of tears on the sideline after speaking to his family members in the stands. I feel for him, but that doesn't mean that it's always horrible. So if we look at the video here of Aaron Jones on the play, the sideline view, you kind of don't see a lot. And then there's an end zone view that's a little bit better. But even on the end zone view here, I mean, it clearly was his right knee and maybe when he falls, the pile collapses on him, he clearly grabs the right knee. But we don't see anything significant. What you do see is as he comes off the field, he can't make it and he falls down and he's holding his knee. And I think by that, everyone assumed it's an IR injury. But by video, look, he's injured, he's not soft. The score, they were ahead in the game at the time, A.J. Dillon's capable, they probably on the sideline detected a little bit of laxity and he had some pain. So without an MRI, they couldn't tell for sure how bad it was. But when we did our research and our staff, Aaron Jones has had MCL sprains before, including in that right knee. And last time he only missed a very short period of time. And I will give this analogy to you this way. I don't like doing a lot of models and other things. Um, If a basketball player sprains his ankle for the first time or Saquon Barkley first time, that takes longer. When Steph Curry sprains his ankle, he's back really quick because he's done it dozens of times. The ligament is already stretched, so it sprains and it looks bad, but there may not be a lot of additional damage. This may be the case here for Aaron Jones, and this is what we were saying last night, Hopeful. Because the video we don't see anything significant, maybe it's mild, he may have been pulled from the game due to score, but also because there's a little bit of MCL laxity there. Is that all new or is it some old? I think the good news coming from Schefter and others now being one to two weeks, not IR, indicates that it was mild and it was maybe an acute aggravation of that chronic, which actually makes it realistic that he can return in a week or two. So, so far, good news for Aaron Jones. But I don't think the Packers have to push it. A.J. Dillon's pretty yeah. good. So my best guess is maybe you've got to be cautious with Aaron Jones this week, but good chance for the second week for him to return, at least a reasonable chance.
0: Yeah, Doc, and as I learned from working with you, you always say, don't judge the reaction. And for players, and I know you've been on the sidelines with these guys, isn't sometimes the reaction them fearing the worst, even though they don't know what it is yet?
1: Yes, but it's also reaction of emotion. Like, you know, guys in general care so much about the game and you know, it is somewhat fear. I mean, the knees are his moneymakers, Aaron Jones, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't know. And, and it's just they care so much, right? I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it. Look at Chase Young. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't say, oh, well, he walked off his field with a little help. He's That doesn't make his injury any less severe than if he took the cart. It's not like he took the cart, now it's more severe. He waved the cart off, right? Because right? he wanted to walk off under his own power. And I've had that happen to guys before i think i mentioned once before um he's got he gave me permission to talk about it but literally uh, 10 years later his last play in the nfl was he had a mild tibial plateau fracture and uh he said doc don't let me get off the field in a cart you're going to help me walk off i'm not doing that and a decade later he's he still thanked me and said You know, I'm really glad that you allowed me to do that because I would hate my last play in the NFL to have been carted off.
0: Yeah. And, you know, listen, you mentioned Chase Young, obviously a a, a tough guy. Uh, Let's get into two of the favorites, Doc, to win the Defensive Player of the Year Award. Chase Young and T.J. Watt, both injured. Let's just hit on Young quickly because sometimes when you have a major knee injury this late in the season and we know he's out for the year, it, we start looking to next year. Any concerns that he won't be ready for training camp? From what you've seen, unfortunately, yes. First of all, not all ACL tears are the
1: same, and I haven't seen an MRI or examined Chase Young. But you know, from looking at the video, that's kind of what we feared: outside leg, non-contact. But never got the best video to see the knee shift. We're looking at it here now that plant, that final plant right there, and he did, can't put full weight on it and goes down. But you got to understand, Robert Woods finished practice with the Rams and didn't know he had anything until after he saw the doctors after he did media availability. That doesn't mean Robert Woods is tougher than Chase Young. Mm-hmm. That means that was an isolated ACL where Chase Young likely has associated injury. where there bone bruise, impaction fracture, meniscus tear, MCL as well, that's why he was in such pain and needed crutches and, and help. But here's the thing. The reason why I would actually expect, and I hope to be wrong, Chase Young to be on PUP to start the year. Not only for training camp, but extend potentially into the start of the season. Now, it used to be PUP was a big advantage because you could come back in six weeks. If the NFL continues its three-week IR rule, it might be better if they pass him on a physical, say there was a setback to the knee, and then they only have to have him out three games instead of the six, right, because it's an unlimited back and forth. So the rules are changing a little bit. But in general, I would expect him to be on PUP because, let's take the example of Nick Bosa, also an edge rusher, San Francisco 49ers. And I don't know for sure how isolated his tear was versus uh, Chase Young, but the likelihood is Chase Young is not isolated. He was barely ready for the start of the season. It wasn't 100%, and he was a week one injury. We're in week 10 right now, right? And he's an edge rusher, and the money-making leg or knee is what? The outside leg for an edge rusher, and that's his right knee. So, I mean, look, let's take a look at D- Bud Dupree for the Titans. has not had a great year coming off his ACL. So, unfortunately, you're right, Thomas. This has high potential to leak into next season.
0: All right, Doc. Well, you know, we mentioned pain tolerance on here a lot. And one guy we know who has a high pain tolerance is TJ Watt. Injured his knee this this week. Uh, No timetable's been set. Now, Doc, I'm not an injury expert like you, but I try to listen to what you say and, and apply that. Now, I see the Steelers are fighting for a playoff spot. They play the Chargers on Sunday night who are also fighting for a playoff spot. So knowing, knowing what you've taught me, I think mm, maybe T.J. Watt plays in this game. What do you think from what you've seen? Look, I'm actually pessimistic on that.
1: and Okay. Yeah, but here's the thing, and I, I, that's why I love this discussion with you. I'm not a betting expert. I'm an injury expert. You're a betting expert. So as much as you're trying to learn injuries, I'm trying to learn the betting marketplace. I'm never going to be a tout. It's just all about injuries. But let's examine T.J. Watt, and then let's examine the Steelers in general, okay? Just T.J. Watt. Once again, outside leg, based on the side he plays on mostly, the left side, okay? That's the leg you really need. Based on video, and let's go through it here. He comes around, friendly fire, but that's not the right angle. This next angle coming up, you'll really see. I didn't see much with the hip. They said hip and knee, okay? I really didn't see much with the hip. And thankfully, there's already MRI. Schefter said negative for the hip and knee. But what does negative mean, right? No structural damage, uh, nothing surgical, nothing long-term, or or completely normal? I find that hard to believe. It said he's still sore. So if you look at the second video here, um, from the uh, right there, Friendly fire from his teammate as he plants a valgus force. That is, thankfully, it sounds like his MCO wasn't, but that's a hyperextension injury and a bone bruise. So if it's just sore and swollen, where? In the bone? That's a bone bruise on the outside knee. If you play it again, you'll see how violent that is, that his knee goes in hyperextension. We talked about that several other times this year. Honestly, I am surprised if he plays this next week okay. against the Chargers. I'm surprised. Um, you know, um, I know they're fighting for stuff, but here's the thing. I think he might have a chance if it were his right leg, but that left outside, if he can't really be effective getting around the edge like that, then why are you risking potentially making it? Worse? So I lean towards that. Now it's, it's early, it's still Monday morning, right? There's a lot to come. Thankfully, it seems like he's going to avoid IR. I don't know. At least that's the early reports. But I don't think he plays. Now, in addition, Joe Hayden. Mike Tomlin said midfoot. Midfoot is Liz Frank. Liz Frank, for a cornerback who's got a change direction, pivot on a dime, even if he's said to be day-to-day, that's a pretty iffy one, too. And this morning, Minka Fitzpatrick put on COVID from this morning. Now, is it possible that he plays if he gets two negative tests? I mean, it's possible. But remember, they also play in in L.A., so he's got to clear by Friday to get on that plane or fly out there on his own or separately, the team, you know, the owner's plane or something private. And Big Ben, Big Ben got put on on Saturday. His 10 days will not be up. So in order for Big Ben to play, he's got to test negative two times and um, I don't keep the stats. I've asked our staff to look at it, but so far we don't see very many examples of vaccinated players who have tested negative prior to the 10 days. And you got to remember Saturday is only one week because he got put on Saturday. Okay. We could say maybe he got put on Friday news broke on Saturday, but still. The game is within the 10-day window. He cannot and will not play unless he tests negative. And the chances of that are not super high based on previous precedent. So now we're talking about Big Ben, Minka, Hayden, T.J. Watt. I mean, you tell me what that means in terms of the line if it's another Mason Rudolph game or uh, or Dwayne Haskins game, whatever uh, you decide it to be. So uh, I don't know. I, I think... Uh, uh, you know, I'll let you do the gambling analysis, but for an injury perspective, those are. Oh, and then uh, their, their guard, um, blanking on his name, um, high ankle sprain, one of their guards. Right. And that's adding to their woes as well. And, and Chase Claypool, I don't think will be back. With his turf toe, even though he hasn't been put on injured reserve, we knew Juju's, Juju's been out, etc., and obviously to it and other things. So, you know, our six scores aren't out yet for the Steelers, but you can see where this is heading. You know, if you're in one of those states, and you know, we'll see what happens to the Fanduel line.
0: Yeah, so right now it's four and a half. The Chargers are four and a half point favorites at home against the Steelers. Make sure you go to at ProFootballDoc on Twitter to follow us with all the late-breaking information on this stuff. You can go to ProFootballDoc.com and make sure you subscribe to all our videos. I'm sure Doc will have some stuff throughout the week on the Steelers. i just tell you right now, that's blowout city. Yeah, I get that line now. I'm all over it. I think the Chargers win that game by two (laughs) touchdowns. That's just too much to overcome. And whatever people think of Big Ben, Mason Rudolph is a downgrade. You're losing Fitzpatrick in the secondary. I mean, you're out Claypool. You don't think Watt's going to play. That's enough for me, Doc. I'm all in. I'm all in on the Chargers four and a half. And I know I got a hunch that when you give out your picks this week, you might be on the same side. We'll see. But here's
1: the problem, Thomas. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Doing the research before I asked the guys, and, and the line based on had already moved. And it was at four before we started on this yeah. podcast. So now you're looking, it's already to four and a half, right? I mean, so the problem with my quote advice or picks, I always. Try not to line shop and say, oh, book this now kind of thing. I mean, I always do it on Saturday night. So the lines always shift. And like this week, when we wrote the article Saturday morning, the New Orleans, Tennessee line was 44 and a half. We were saying, you know, with the defense is healthy, it should be an under. By the time that I hit send to the publisher, it had moved to 44, so I changed the line to 44, and we got a push out of it <laughs> instead of a, a, a win there. And then you know, I won't whine about the referees that uh, non the, the, the <clears> roughing the <throat> ruffing the passer that took out the interception in the end zone. But that's a whole other story. That's it's it's the bounces, right? You're going to have bad beats yeah. and whatever. But we, I, I wish I could get the lines, and maybe next year we'll do it early. More we try to do it before the past an early line mover segment and and what have you, but. You take the gambling content. I'm sticking to injuries.
0: <laughs> well, one guy, Doc, I think is very valuable. He doesn't might not get the publicity of some other people because he doesn't get a ton of sacks. It's Vita Veya in that Buccaneers uh, middle of that Buccaneers line? I mean, this guy's an absolute beast. Takes on two, three blockers at a time. Now he's dealing with a knee injury, and you know, uh, I, Ian Rappaport says slight MCL sprain with bone bruise. What are we looking here for, Veya, Doc, And, and a, a massive guy that size—is there a chance he misses more time because he's so big? Uh,
1: yes. And here's the thing: there are three-four defense, and that three-four nose is key. You got to eat up the blocks. Back in the San Diego Chargers heyday, we had some great players, from LT to Philip Rivers to Vincent Jackson to Sean Merriman, a lot of guys, right? And and you know Antonio Gates. But I would argue our key guy that was unreplaceable was Jamal Williams mm-hmm. Absolutely, in beast. our 3-4. He freed yeah. up Sean Phillips and Sean Merriman, etc. And he ate up two, three blockers. Vita Vea is the same. Yeah. Going back to before he joined us for the Super Bowl, that's what we were saying. The O-line of the Chiefs, you had a backup left tackle, A third-string right tackle, a third-string right guard, all starting their first game together ever, and it's the Super Bowl, based off the dominoes of Eric Fisher and his Achilles. And we said, and guess what? With Vita Vea coming back from his ankle fracture dislocation and being healthy, take the Patrick Mahomes over rushing yards. Not because he's going to scramble a lot, uh, design runs with his turf toe, but he's going to run for his life, and that hit halfway through the first quarter. Uh, uh, kind of deal. Vita Vea is key. Now, it's not his right ankle. It's his left side. Left knee, MCL, bone bruise. Uh, MCL is less of a big deal. It's more about the bone bruise. Um, you know, the over-under is probably three weeks for Vita Vea. But, you know, the way the Bucks have been playing it, I think they're just Super Bowl or bust. So they're not so much worried about the regular season. They're going to get in the playoffs one way or another, and then as long as they have A. B. and Gronk and all these, and vita vea, all these people ultimately back, and they, you know, they've been slow bringing back Sean uh, Murphy, Bunting, Carlton Davis is still out. As long as they have him back for that stretch run, mm-hmm. uh, I think that they'll be fine, and they probably will.
0: Yeah, they're, they're close in the standings to the Saints, but I don't think too many people think that they're not going to win that division, right? Like you said, it's Super Bowl or bust in Tampa Bay. But I will say this. I told you I like Vita Veya. Uh, I think he's a unique player. I love Jamal Williams. Doc, that is a great comparison. I think I might steal that and use it on my Twitter account. Uh, that, <laughs> that is an absolute perfect comparison. So good work there. Um Hey Doc, let's go to Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield two weeks ago looks like uh, the best quarterback in the NFL. Everyone's saying OBJ who, right? <laughs> this week he plays Bill Belichick in the Patriots. It's a different story. He, he Another guy injures his knee. Uh, the score was kind of out of hand when it happened. Case Keenum finished the game. Are you worried about uh, Mayfield playing this week? I mean,
1: worried about his knee or worried about Mayfield? I mean, obviously, yeah. Baker's been through his uh, things this year, his ups and downs from the week two first-time shoulder dislocation. And on this replay, you still see the left shoulder strap that he has, the harness, to keep it in. But I don't see much on the Matt Judon hit. It's said to be a knee contusion. They say he could have continued, at least the head coach. We don't always believe what the coaches say, coach speak. But I think that was more score of the game, et cetera. I mean, there potentially was a little hyperextension in the knee. There, I, I, I'm not worried. He's going to be the starting quarterback, health wise, this week for the Cleveland Browns.
0: All right, and good news for the Browns. They play the Lions. Who they're a 10 point favorite. I mean, the Lions been you know they've been pesky this year, but that's a game where they might be able to lean. The on hope the is they game. get some of their running backs back. Although, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> no, Johnson didn't do too badly, but the, the team didn't do that well. You know.
0: Right. Hey, Doc, a guy who's been carrying my awful fantasy football team this year, uh, Cordell Patterson, he injured his ankle in the blowout loss against the Cowboys. Uh, How long do you expect him to be out? Uh, Because uh, I'm fighting for the playoffs over here. I need him.
1: You better scour the waiver wires, my (laughs) friend. Uh, All right, let's look at the play here uh, on Patterson. And uh, as he runs, the ball gets through. At about the 27-yard line, I think we'll see it a little closer up here, it's a right high ankle sprain. Uh, mild, but still a high ankle sprain. He leaves the game. This was in the first quarter with five minutes left. He comes back after tape. He does run the ball once or twice, and then the second half kind of disappears. And that's typical. Mild high ankle sprain. It starts to swell. Very hard to tape and support. I would be surprised if he starts for the... Thomas Casale team this next week I'm not saying he's going to go on injury reserve but I think he's going to miss some time at least because it has a high ankle sprain mechanism right high ankle sprain for Patterson so you might need some more magic uh, on your fantasy squad yeah
0: the the Thomas Casale team is struggling I mean we we might have Mark Ingram in there this week so the uh, I'm in rough shape (laughs) but hey Doc let's move before we get to our discussion section of the show Uh, Offensive line, uh, the guy I think is pound for pound the best in the league, Quinton Nelson, has another ankle injury. He had a high ankle sprain in Week 3, missed three games, returned in Week 7. Is he going to miss more time for that Colts team? Well, he's absolutely going to miss practice time. You know, DMP may
1: be limited. He's as tough as they come. And, you know, 80%, even 75%, Quinton Nelson is better than anyone else. And he really has stabilized, I think, Eric Fisher at left tackle, having him next to him. But he aggravated his high ankle sprain. As you can look at the video, and we tweeted it there. He gets rolled up on very quickly before he goes down on that same right side. And if you look closely, that side is already heavily taped and spatted and braced. So clearly he's already not 100%. I think it's a mild aggravation. I think he can tough it out. The question is how effective and the difference between a mild high ankle and Cordarella Patterson and Quinton Nelson is for the most part Nelson's playing in a box whereas Patterson has to be more open field and cut and so that's where some of the difference is.
0: Okay and make sure to go to profootballdoc.com at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. Subscribe to our videos here. We'll have the six scores, and I say it every week, but it's not just about the Baker Mayfields and the TJ Watts, Doc. It's about those offensive lines, the defensive lines, the secondary. That's where you can find value as a fantasy player or a better is when you look at those six scores and take a look at the entire team, not just the stars. All right, Doc. Speaking of a star, I want to get to our discussion session because you I gotta tell you this story. You had it right on the money. You you said on this podcast last Monday, you said Russell Wilson will have issues throwing the deep ball, and the first thing I said, D.K. Metcalf, right? I said, told everybody all week, don't start D.K. Metcalf, I'm telling you. Russell Wilson, Doc says he's going to struggle throwing the ball. People didn't believe me. How about three catches for 26 yards, right? You, You looked at the game, you looked at the footage, and... I want you to break through this tape because this is, Doc, this is where you are unique and you are different from everybody else out there. You don't just look at the injury. You tell us what's going to happen because of it. And I think when you went on and said, Russell Wilson's going to have trouble gripping that ball on deep throws, that's why people listen to you. Well, I appreciate it. I
1: probably should have gone even stronger on it. But, you know, look, we were saying Russell Wilson always was week 10 for the target, right? And (laughs) we said that back in week five, and he made it. But we never said that meant he's 100%. And we always say, recovery is not a light switch, it's a slow sunrise, right? And the worry was this, and and let me tell you, as I talked on different shows, I talked about it with uh, Rich Gannon on Sirius XM, and he was more pessimistic than even I was having been an nfl quarterback with with the description of the injury brady quinn on on fox sports radio national two cups of, two pros in a cup of joe we talked about it and he was more pessimistic i probably should have been even more pessimistic but you know i have so much respect for russell wilson i was like oh maybe they'll change their game and whatever we we talked internally here even though we're in california that you know the uh the uh, uh longest catch for Lockett and Metcalf were kind of really good underplays, right? Yeah. And, and they were in their high 20s, and they didn't get much of anything downfield. So if you look, we tweeted this, the very first throw from Russell Wilson, that was sort of deep, about 35 yards downfield. I mean, that's a flutter. And, and OK, Lockett gets the penalty, the PI, but if you look at it, I mean, that's not a Russell Wilson pass. Now, it was a little cold, whatever. Maybe there was a little wind, but that flutters and sails. Now, it wasn't horribly off target, but also wasn't a horribly long throw. But certainly, you could see that wasn't typical. Then let's get to a couple other throws that he throw deeper. Last two throws of the half. He throws long here, and he overshoots him. But to me, more importantly, that's not the typical trajectory for Russell Wilson. And now the Hail Mary. That's the flattest Hail Mary pass that I've ever seen Russell Wilson throw. I mean, the ball stayed in the frame of the picture. Normally, he, he's famous for throwing these moon balls, him and Aaron Rodgers, connecting those. Now here's another pass to the left flat. Not terribly long, but it's an out, and he sails it over Lockett's head. I think that is, you could say rust, but also grip. Uh, the next play here in the compilation, the third and nine, and... Uh, Buy some time, and as he throws deep, I mean, clearly underthrows. Right? Um, if he th- puts it out there, he has a chance of completing it. Clearly underthrows. The next play here, uh, once again, another deep ball. This time to uh, the left, the right side or center, and he hangs it up, gets it picked off. It's almost like he was throwing to 31 on the on the Packers, and another one where. To me, these deep balls are Russell Wilson's hallmark. And once again, hangs it up a little bit, should have been picked, didn't get picked. That's not him normally, right? And any one or two of those plays can change the flow of the game and and script. Um, So as much as we've just killed Russell Wilson, uh, and not that, just the grip and how hard it is, believe it or not, I mean, I think uh, I'm still a little more optimistic than Brady Quinn, I think Brady had the funniest uh, reply to me. I, I said clearly, uh, Brady was right about difficulty with mallet finger with a QB, and, and Brady replied, "Doc, I can hardly pick my nose with that finger anymore on Twitter." <laughs> so, got to give some kudos to my guy Brady for that reply. To me, that was the hidden reply of the week. I won't, I won't ask Brady which finger it is, but you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, bottom line is. Uh, so he's still a little pessimistic on Wilson. Uh, I think you're going to see an improvement for Russell Wilson this next week. I'm not saying 100%, but I think you're going to see an improvement. If you look at those series of plays we just said, you're probably to yourself, start Geno Smith. No, I don't think it's that dire. I think in another week it's going to help him. Um, and get some of the soreness out and get some of the grip strength. It's closer to six weeks from the injury, et cetera. So I'm not second-guessing his return. I mean, that's just what happens. It's football. One or two of those plays happen, and then the game is different. But he's going to turn around quicker than you think, I believe. But we'll see. Otherwise, uh, Brady will have to come out with another pick-your-nose or other equally funny tweet.
0: Well, Doc, you know, and this, I think, is what you were talking about, Russell Wilson. I mean, you asked 20 people who's the best deep thrower in the NFL. I got to think 15-plus, say Russell Wilson. He's known as the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. So once you told me about that grip, that that's all I needed to hear. And we saw the Seahawks' offense struggle. You think it'll get better this week. It's a very interesting matchup, Doc, because they play another team with quarterback issues that I want to get your thoughts on, the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, what do you think's going on with Kyler Murray here? You thought a couple of weeks ago he might have been healthy enough. They hold him out two weeks. Now Colt McCoy is <laughs> injured. Is this one of your things where, okay, now all of a sudden he's healthy because the backup's are I, I, I know oh, you have yeah. an analogy with that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean uh,
1: think about this. When you had Colt McCoy, look, I clearly was wrong. Well, let's change that. I clearly thought Kyler Murray could have played already. Now, whether he will play or not, we talk about is a different decision, and uh, he obviously didn't. But when you have Colt McCoy, and you dominate the 49ers, and you're coming in to play the Carolina Panthers, may, maybe there's a, hey, let's not push Kyler, And you know, uh, I think Kyler could have already played easily from the pocket. Maybe they wanted to wait for him to be more himself. But, boy, the pressure's on now, right, after Cam Newton and the Panthers beat up on the uh, Arizona Cardinals. The pressure's on now, and I think it's a foregone conclusion that Kyler will play. I still don't think he's going to be 100% on the ankle in terms of his usual self-mobile, but I think there's no question he's going to be slotted to play. And, look, uh, a pec strain for Colt McCoy, uh, if it's his right, video I couldn't tell which side, if it's his right pec, that could be a deal. Um, Big Ben had a left pec strain, non-throwing shoulder, non-factor. But this could be a factor. And uh, there's a few other quarterbacks, by the way, that could be factors. I mean, think about, and this is what teams do. Um, Look, I'm going to go out on a limb here. We talked about Zach Wilson. If that were a bona fide veteran quarterback, if that were Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, two weeks and he's back, but it's two to four weeks for that, because he's a young guy and they want a full weeks of practice, et cetera, and the Jets aren't exactly tearing it up. And then Mike White plays well that one week, right? And you're like, super well. His jersey went to the Hall of Fame, at least, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, oh, Mike White, take your time, Zach Wilson. And the next week he gets hurt, and then, you know, Mike White doesn't finish the game. And Okay, let's give Mike White the chance again. Now four picks. Uh, look, I still think they're going to give Zach Wilson another week. If I had to put money on it, and I can't, I'd say Joe Flacco starts this week. Because, you know, Mike White, you know, here here comes. Joe Flacco's had a couple weeks now to get into the system. He's a veteran. I think, I know it's a flyer, but I take odds and take Joe Flacco as a starter over Zach Wilson or Mike White this week. And another quarterback situation to watch is Jared Goff. I make nothing of the fact that Dan Campbell said rib and Jared Goff said oblique muscle. Look, the oblique muscles insert and attach on the rib area. Mike, uh, Dan Campbell didn't say rib fracture, he said rib injury. The intercostal muscle injury as it pulls off the rib, you, it's semantics. So there's nothing, no divide there. But let me tell you, just like it's hard to play golf if you have an oblique muscle, the twist and whatever, it is hard to be an NFL quarterback. It is hard to be a pitcher. You need your torso rotation to be accurate and throw. And Detroit adjusted. And this may not be an injury that gets better in a week. You've got to watch out in Detroit. I mean, everyone's favorite position is the backup quarterback. And there are some fans saying David Blau, but you may see him this week. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Alright, couple things here, Doc. One, David Blau stinks, so I don't care how bad Jared Duff is. He's awful. Uh, the other thing is you said Joe Flacco. If Depending on what you think of Joe Flacco, Dolphins a slight three-point road favorite against the Jets this week if you want to take advantage of that. But the one I really want to talk about is uh, the odds makers agree with you about Kyler Murray. The, they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Seattle. There's no way that line would be two-and-a-half to the Cardinals with Colt McCoy hurting if they didn't think Kyler Murray was going to play. So if Doc thinks it, if the odds makers think it, then I think it. So, Doc, let's let's shift gears a little bit. You know, we talk quarterbacks. Let's talk about a guy who might not be the quarterback's favorite person sometimes, OBJ. Because I know before we leave uh, the show today, I know you have some thoughts. There was a big trade last week. The OBJ going to the Rams, he is, if you're listening to this, we're shooting this before Monday Night Football, he is expected to play, have some packages, maybe return some punts. Now, you know, I monitor the Twitter activity, Doc, and there's a kind of a divide here on how people. some people think OBJ's done, some people think he's going to be a big factor for him. You actually like this move because you think OBJ's finally healthy, Correct.
1: I do like this move for a couple of reasons. Obviously, you couldn't market time this any better. There's no way Les Snead or anyone in the Rams knew that Robert Woods was going to get hurt. They made the decision to bring in Odell Beckham the day before, but he arrives on Friday, and on Friday in practice, Robert Woods tears his ACL. And the narrative was, were they going to find enough balls to throw to all these receivers, right? Well, now there's some, some targets available, and o- Odell Beckham will slide right in there. But it's not just that in scheme. Look, the AC joint grade three sprain was bad, but it's probably mostly better now. Okay, he still might need a game-day injection to play, but day-to-day, he's human again. He can reach and do things. The right shoulder dislocation, subluxation from earlier season, he's playing through it with a harness and has been. But that ACL is now week 10. We talk about middle of the season. I think he's turning a corner. Am I saying he's going to have 10 catches for over 100 yards this week? No, I'm not a prop master, but I think he's getting healthier and healthier. And when he really gets acclimated to the Rams' offense, I think he can definitely be a factor. Look, uh, if he were free to be picked up in my one in the Fantasy League, I'd jump on it in a hot second. If someone in my Fantasy League would offer me something reasonable to trade and let me have him, I would grab him. I, I have some optimism. Uh, full disclosure, I, I, I am an Odell Beckham fan. He has replied to some Twitter stuff and we exchanged some messaging. Nothing insider information, but just looking at how he's cutting and how he's moving Uh, remember we haven't seen him play in a few weeks now right and so that shoulder is close to behind him and that knee is only better so I look for good things to come from him and from the Rams and not to mention which you know Vaughn Miller is going to be I Mm -hmm. believe active for the first time and and uh, that's where our field view and six scores you can go look at it at the website. But uh the the Rams, to no one's surprise, is they are they're the healthier side against the Forty ers The forty nine are getting better, but they're still they were pretty bad there for a while. And they've they've got some issues there defensively and offensively still.
0: Yeah, and the Rams coming off that bad loss of the Titans could be a tough matchup here for the Forty ers But as Doc said, go to go to the ProFootball dot com. We'll have all the six scores for all the players throughout the week at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. Doc is constantly updating any new information. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Doc will have videos throughout the week with any breaking news. Well, Doc, that's it heading into Week 11. Thanks, as always, for the information. I'll see you next week.
1: Thanks.